we have been looking at the Gospel of John. We've been uh, following a series called Signs of Life, and we continue that today. We're turning to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, if you're following in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1065. Page 1065, John chapter 3, and we're going to read the first 21 verses uh, of John chapter 3. While you're looking for that, may I just say this one thing, and I think I need to say this in front of everyone. Um, over tea and coffee, please don't talk to me about rugby. Okay? I've sp- spoken a lot about rugby this week. Don't need to speak about it today. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you mustn't be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. And we end our reading there. We thank God for his word. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this word that has been given to us today. Words that you spoke to a man called Nicodemus. Words that John was inspired to write by your spirit so that we could see the difference between light and darkness, and we can be called to live as children of light because there is life in light, and that life is from Jesus. That life is from the life-giving Spirit of God. And so as we think about all this, God, may you speak deep into our hearts. 
We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I've been told that apparently I do a dad thing. Okay, so there's a dad thing. Apparently there's several dad things, but this is one of them that I do. Um, so, so Joanne and the girls will be watching something on TV, probably Gilmore Girls or something like that, and, and, and I'll be in the kitchen doing my own thing. But I'll come to the living room and I'll stand at the door and watch the TV. And then I'll move a little bit closer. Maybe I'll sit on the arm of the, of the sofa and, and watch what's going on. And eventually I'll take a seat and I'll sit and I'll end up watching whatever it is that they're watching with them. No idea of really what's going on because I've jumped into the middle of the story, drawing all my own conclusions about what's happening. Apparently that's a dad thing. I don't know if any of the other dads do it yet. I don't know if any of the daughters sitting around you going, yeah, that's my dad. He sits and watches stuff that is um, girly things. Um, that, that, is not, that you don't really associate with dads watching. Um, but that's, that's apparently what I do. But as I said, the danger is that you come in halfway through the story um, and you start to try and make sense of what's going on. Um, and, and sometimes you can draw the, the wrong conclusions about it. A few weeks back, someone said to me something that has really stuck with me uh, and challenged me in the, in the way that I think and, and especially about the way I talk about the gospel. Um, and, and particularly the bit about why Jesus died for us, why it's important for us to believe uh, in, in him. I forget the exact words that were said to me, but it was something along the lines of, of how when we tell people about their need for salvation, um, we tend to start with the work of the cross. We tend to start with the, the bit about how Jesus has taken our sins upon him. And we might even quote that verse that we've just read um, in John chapter three, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's such a key verse in our Bible. It's so, so central to the message of the gospel. Central in more ways than one. Because the problem is when we start with that, we're starting in the middle of the story. And the danger is that we present a picture of God um, that we say is a loving father. Your father in heaven loves you. We tell them that. But then we seem to be saying to them that if you don't believe in his son, that loving father's gonna send you to hell. That sounds a lot like emotional manipulation to me. It doesn't sound like love. It sounds like we're manipulating people into believing. But to get a proper understanding of why the gospel is good news and why John wants us to understand the signs that point to who Jesus is as our savior, we need to know and we need to understand how it fits into the whole story. And to do that, we need to start at the beginning. And that's exactly what John wants us to do. Remember how he starts this gospel, John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made and in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If this was a TikTok video, John would be standing with a loud hailer shouting to us to go back to the beginning of the Bible. Go back to Genesis 1 and see what's happening there if you want to make sense of what is happening here, of what I'm about to tell you about Jesus. Those opening chapters of Genesis have all those words that John mentions in, in the opening verses of his gospel. Darkness, God's word, light, Life, creation, it's all there. 
And when we start to look at this passage from John's gospel in light of what there is in Genesis, then we do start to see a loving God. And we do start to see of why Jesus is good news. And that's what's going on here between John and Nicodemus. Here is a religious man who knows the scriptures, but who isn't piecing it together very well. He sees Jesus perform signs, and when he sees Jesus perform these signs, he knows that this is a man of God, but he isn't fully grasping who Jesus is. And so Jesus explains it to him, and John explains it to us. Jesus and John use words that take us back to the first creation, being born again. You must be born again, go back to the point of where life begins. He talks about the wind, Jesus talks about the wind blowing where it will. The Hebrew word for wind is ruach. This ruach moving as it will, hovering above the nothingness that existed before creation, moving about, but not being influenced by it, moving freely above the nothingness. He talks about being born of the spirit. Remember Genesis 2 verse seven, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the ruach, the life-giving spirit, and the man becomes a living being. And of course, we hear about light and we hear about darkness. On the first day, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good and so he separated the light from the darkness. And here again we see light and darkness separated, unable to coexist. You cannot live in darkness and in light. You're either living in one or the other. Why does God start with light in Genesis 1? Because light brings life. Before there was life, there was darkness. And in the darkness, there was nothing. The Hebrew word, a lovely word, one of my favorite words that I've learned over the last couple of months, tohu vavohu. Tohu vavohu, this beautiful Hebrew word that actually means nothingness. That's what there was in the beginning. In the beginning, there was just tohu vavohu, wild and waste, conditions where life could not exist. And so God brings light into that so that he can bring life to it. And it's here. John is saying in verse 19 and 20 that people to choo- choose to live there. They choose to live in the darkness. They choose to live in the place where there is no life because then they can do as they please. It's only when they choose to step into the light, when they choose to escape the nothingness, they choose to escape the lifelessness of the darkness that life can come to them. It's only then when they step into light that they can find life. But how did we get there? How did we get to that place where we're living in darkness and we need to choose to live in, in, in the light? Well, if we pick up the story in the middle, we don't know how we got there. If we start there, then it's easy for us to say, well, that's just our human nature to, to live in darkness. It's just our human nature to, to make mistakes, to get things wrong. But as long as I'm generally a good person, well then, why won't God let me go to heaven? Why is God so mean? Why does he want to send me to hell? If we pick it up in the, beginning, in the middle of the story, that's the wrong conclusion we can draw about ourselves and about God. But John sends us back to Genesis. He sends us back to the beginning so that we can get a clearer picture. Genesis 1 tells us that in the beginning, 
It's not a particular point in time. It's not six, seven thousand years ago. It's not 14 billion years ago. It's just way back when. Way back when, when God created the heavens and the earth, when God decided that he wanted to create everything that was below us and everything that was below us, uh, above us, there, there was nothingness. There was nothing. It was dark, it was barren, there was no life. Life could not exist at all because there weren't conditions for life. But there was something. There was the Spirit of God hovering above the nothingness, just moving there as it wanted to, above all the chaos, above all the nothingness, and then God decided he wanted to do something. He wanted to create. And so God said, let there be light because he knew that in the darkness there couldn't be life. And so he utters those first words that we hear God speak in the Bible. The first words that we hear God speak in the Bible. And he chooses the words, let there be light. And if that's the first thing that we hear God speak in the Bible, then it's gotta be important. It's not a dismissive comment, it's not, oh, what should we say? Well, let's just say God said, let there be light. No, if the first thing that God says is let there be light, then it's gotta be important. And so because there is light, now there can be life. But it's not sunlight. God hasn't created the sun to be the light. No, the light comes from him. He is the source. It's his word that brings life, that brings light. And God said, let there be light. When God's words are light, there is light. John points us to this. John says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He goes on to say, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That word of God has the power to bring light. That word of God has the power to bring life. And then Genesis 1 goes on to tell how God created all things simply through his words. The word of God has the power to bring light and to bring life. When we get to Genesis 2, we see another account of creation. That's different to the first. Why is it different to the first? Is the first one wrong and the second one right? Is the second one right and the first one wrong? No. It's different because they're telling us different things about who God is and who we are. And what we see in Genesis God is that when God forms the man, which we've been told in Genesis 1 has been created along with the woman, in the image of God. When God creates the man, he only becomes a living being when God breathes his breath into him. And that Hebrew word for breath is ruach, the same word that was used for the wind, the same word that is used for spirit. The ruach that hovered above the nothingness and above the chaos is now the ruach that brings life to the man. God's eternal spirit gives life, eternal life to the man. At the original point of creation, we were created to be eternal beings. And so in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, what we see is that God creates a world for us to live in. And that world that he creates is good. But when he forms humanity and he puts us into it and he breathes eternal life in us, that good creation becomes very good. In God's eyes, his creation is amazing, but it is better when you and I are in it. 
God's creation is better when you and I are in it. And he wants to spend time with his people in this created world, which is why when we get to the seventh day in the story of creation, there is no evening and morning. The seventh day is the culmination of God's creation. He is now happy with creation. He stops and now he wants to spend time in his creation and enjoy his creation. Heaven, God's space, and earth, the space that he has created for people, are able to merge into one space. And so I want to put a, a slide up on the, on the screen. We see the trajectory of the story, of our story. At this point is us and God together for all eternity with God. This creation that God says is more than good, it's very good. That's the trajectory of our story from Genesis 1 and 2. But then something happens. Something happens in Genesis 3. The woman is confronted by a creature that looks like a snake, but it's able to talk and reason with her, and it encourages her to disobey God. Did God really say that you mustn't eat from, the tree, from, from any tree in the garden? You'll surely not die if you eat from that tree. God knows that your eyes will be opened if you eat from it, and, and he's afraid that you'll become like him. Of course, let's remember that the woman is already like God. She was created in his image. And so she and the man give into temptation. And what we see on the next slide is now the trajectory of the story changes. No longer are we following a, 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 a path into eternity with God, but now, now it, it takes a downward turn away from God, away from eternal life. God warned them that this was gonna happen. He said, if you eat of it, you will surely die. But they did it anyway. God has not condemned them. They've condemned themselves through the choice that they made. But God is a determined God. And in the verdict that he passes on the man and the woman and the snake, there is a suggestion that there is a son that is gonna come. That son will be victorious over the evil that is represented by the snake, but that victory will come at a cost. God loved having us about. He loved being with us in his creation and so he wants us to get back to the original trajectory of our story. The one that stretches into eternity where he is with us and we are with him. He wants us to have eternal life again. And how did life begin in our story? It begins with light. And so he sends light into the world again. The word who was with God in the beginning, through whom all things were made, in whom there is life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light that shines in the darkness, the light that the darkness cannot overcome. That light, that word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And now Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, now God is in the process of putting things back to the way that they were. And in order for that to happen, we also need to start over. We need to go back to a new beginning. And what will make that new beginning possible is when the spirit of life comes and lives in us once again. The original point of creation, God breathes his spirit into the, the man and the man becomes a living being. For us to reclaim that life again, the spirit needs to come and be in us once again. To be born again, Jesus is saying, is to receive that original source of life 
into our lives again. And so in verse 16, John delivers this good news to us that God has made a way for the trajectory of our story to change again. On the next slide, we see that this becomes possible now because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not continue on, the, on, the, on that direction that the story is taking, but can now have a different story, can now have eternal life, not death, but eternal life. And then verse 17 tells us this important truth that we could miss if we don't consider the start of the story, that God did not send his son to condemn the world because the world is already condemned. He did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So why doesn't God just save everyone? Why doesn't God just press control, alt, delete, and let's go back to the beginning and everybody's okay? Why doesn't he just restore eternal life to everyone? Because unfortunately not everyone chooses to embrace God and embrace his way. Because as John goes on to write in verse 19, even though the light has come into the world, people still love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. What we discover when we get to the end of the story, when we get to Revelation, which was also written by John, when God makes everything new again, a new heaven and a new earth, there is no place for darkness. God gives us the freedom to choose light and to choose darkness, but when he makes everything new again, there is no place for darkness. Metaphorically speaking, there is only light in God's kingdom. And that light, Revelation 21 verse 23, uh, 21 verse 23 tells us, comes from the glory of God. The same source of light that we find in, in Genesis 1 verse 2. Let there be light and there was light. God is the source of light. And yet people will still choose darkness. Because when you live in darkness, it's difficult to see the bigger picture. You can't see in darkness. You can only see the here and the now. You don't need to worry about what's beyond. Because what's here and now feels good. And if I can't see what's beyond, I don't need to worry about what I can't see. And that's why Jesus wants us, his followers, to be light in the world. That's why he says to us, you are the light of the world. Because we need to go into those places of darkness so that we can shine light, so that people can see, so they can make an informed decision about whether they want to live in light or in darkness. John 3 is an incredibly important chapter in the Bible because the opening chapters of the Bible tell us that because of our rejection of God, we need a savior to bring us back to that story of God that, that leads to eternal life. We need somebody who can bring us back there. God, right from the beginning, when things went wrong, God said there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a savior. There's gonna be someone who's gonna come and he will defeat evil. There will be a cost, but he will defeat evil and he will be able to bring you back. That is the good news of, of chapter three of John's gospel. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That there is a way back. There is a way back and it is Jesus. He gives us the opportunity to start over. He gives us the opportunity to be born again. To have that life 
life-giving Spirit of God in us once again so that once again we can become eternal beings as God intended us to be. And all we need to do is believe in him. The word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Later John the Baptist sees Jesus and says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, the good news, the one who changes our story, who brings us back to the place where God wants us to be. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world. His creation was good, but when he put us, it was very good. His kingdom, God loves his kingdom. But like creation was good, but became very good when we were a part of it, God loves his kingdom, but he wants us to be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of it. So he loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him can change their story and have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son to save the world through him. Your story can look different. Your story can change. And John is saying, look at the signs in my gospel. Look at the one that I'm pointing to. There is the man who can change your story. Only through him can your story change. Can the direction that we're traveling in change? Can it move back to where God wants us to be, desperately wants us to be? How easily God could have said, man, these guys are gonna get it wrong over and over again. Why do I waste my time? Why do I waste my time? But God says, no. When I created the world and everything and it was good, but when these guys came along, it was very good. I want them back. And I'm gonna find a way to get them back. And that way is Jesus. He is the one who can transform your story. He is the one who can say, this path you're on is taking you nowhere. Let's start again. Let's be born again. Let the spirit of life come into you. Let it come and live in you. It can only come and live in you when God declares us righteous. The spirit doesn't live in places that are dirty and dark. It hovers above them. But when God cleanses us, And he says, the only way that you can be cleansed is to believe in Jesus. I declare you righteous. I declare you clean. I declare you right with God. And now the spirit of life can come and live in you again. And you can be born again. You can go back to that place where life begins as God intended it. That's his invitation to you today. That's the good news. The good news isn't that God wants to send you to hell unless you believe in Jesus. The good news is that God wants you in his kingdom. And he's made a way for that to be possible. And that way is Jesus. That's his invitation to you today. To come and live in his kingdom. And if you are already a follower of Jesus, his reminder to you today is that you are light. And there are people who are living in darkness. And he wants you to go and be light in that darkness. So they can see the bigger picture. So they can know what's going on there in the first two parts of that story and that there is a third part that brings us back.
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him can change their story and have eternal life. Let us pray. God, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you that in our eyes, in in your eyes, we make your world very good. And often we don't see it that way. We can easily see why other people make this world a worse place. We can easily look at ourselves and see why the world might be better without us in it. God, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. That not just the world, but your kingdom is better with us in it. And you have found a way, you have made a way for us to be in it. And we thank you for that. God, my prayer today is for the folk who have not yet given their lives to Jesus. Lord, may they hear something today that draws them to you. May they recognize that the path that they're on can change. That the struggles of this life will be over one day. But there is something far greater waiting for us. And we can get a taste of it even today. And for those of us, Lord, who have already chosen to be your followers, who are already citizens of the kingdom, may we remember that we are children of light. And the purpose of light is to shine in darkness. Lord, may we shine in the darkness of this world. May we shine in the darkness of the lives of people that we know and love. May we go with courage. May we go without fear. May we go in the confidence of the Spirit. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.